Hello, Heron. Hello, Tom. So, I have half a dozen topics here. Oh, good. In front of me. I'm totally zeroed out. You're totally zeroed out. Yeah. (sighs) Well, a couple of things just off the cuff, as I have brought up Skype. I have started to be contacted by people who are actively searching through Skype. And through somehow, I think they check on activity or these kind of things. I'm not really sure how they've gotten my name. But in the past couple of weeks, I have been added by maybe half a dozen people who, uh, one of whom I had the opportunity to chat with last night. My first thing was, you know, <laughs> what gauge do you model in? You know, um, <laughs> are you a model railroader? No, no, I found you through Skype. We're, I'm just searching through, and I found your name, and you were online. It turns out this person, at least, has befriended more than a thousand people on Skype and just <laughs> waits for them to come online so they can chat with them. I'm not sure if it's part of a marketing thing. I blocked the person within the first minute. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but yeah, it just seems to be a change in the way people are I using Skype. Yeah. I've had a, a few porno come on. To, uh, you know. That may be what lusty tiff... 4862 is. <laughs> yeah, yeah, they want you to go cam to cam with them. Uh. For, you know, I mean, I, yeah, I've, t- I've talked to a couple of them just to verify it, you know, <laughs> just to see how this thing To train them in the way of Gendo. <laughs> well, listen, anybody is, uh, listen, people on the edge are more likely uh, to accept this than people who are, uh, you know, riding well on their unconscious assumptions. Very good. <laughs> but I guess, I don't know, I mean, that whole area of the internet just strikes me as being so, what would the term be? Like, <laughs> desperate, I guess. Desperate must be the term that I'm looking for. Well, most of the world is desperate. Mm. Most people, I lived my entire, my, up until the last two or three years, uh, if I'd lost my job, I would have been homeless in a month. Mm. I lived like that for 30 years. Yeah. I think and the majority a lot of, of people, the population in this country does that, actually. Yeah, I know. That's what yeah. I'm saying is yeah. that kind of, that level of tension. I mean, it's, it's really interesting to look at it now. I mean, because really nothing has changed. Mm. I mean, I mean, there is no security, you know. Yeah. <laughs> you know, that's just a nice illusion. But as long as you've got the illusion of security, uh, if you don't have that and you don't know how to deal with the stress, like I say, I think a lot of people are extremely stressed. Hmm. Uh, yeah. Yeah. In fact, that's, that's hopeful because again, those people are going to be the ones who are desperate enough to actually start learning how to think. Do you think that is the case? I mean, my reflection, particularly, I'm getting more savage with my Facebook friends and a few of them fit into the kind of, you know, friends of Bruce Damer, hippies that are, but they all, yeah. and this is a critique that I have really for the broader psychedelic community. They're all upper middle class people. Most of them don't have to work regular days jobs and these are seem to be exactly <laughs> the woo-woo crowd that could not only attend your seminars but also pay you good money to attend oh, your yeah. seminars. Oh yeah. Oh absolutely. Yeah, there's a, there's a whole lot of people who can afford and and who pays a lot of money to do this kind of stuff. Yeah. So, uh it's about marketing really. It's it's just about packaging the content well it's obviously about the content whether it produces something worthwhile for you but uh if it does that then the rest of it's just a marketing deal how do you package it yeah um how do you produce it right now it's looking like there are going to be two at least two 
uh, internet, uh, probably YouTube video seminar kind of things that mm. are free. Mm. It's uh, hard to do it otherwise on YouTube. But, yeah. <laughs> yeah, obvious. Yeah, you got yes. that. Anyway, yeah, uh, one of them is going to be just on the word the. Yes. And then the other one is going to be on uh, the voice in your head. Uh, and so, then, yeah. I mean, yeah. Your, your plan with this is to gather like minded folks. Yeah, my sense is there are people out there mm. this is not going to sound crazy to. Mm. A lot of people will just blow it off or they may like it or something but i uh, my sense is there's a again a relatively small percentage but but it's uh, it must be out there i know it's out there because i've run into them so my view here and i told you this about two months ago is that you befriend motz's arch nemesis the infamous kundalini woman and get her to rap with you on gendo on well even on the word the I mean, that would be, that in and of itself, I think, could get you tens of thousands <laughs> yeah. of views very, really? very swiftly. Really? Yeah. The Kundalini lady. Yes. Oh, okay. Well, I'll, I'll, um. No, no, I think you need, you need someone to, I mean, well, I need, well, the thing is, I need to have my shit together. Yeah. I, you know, I'm not, I can't, I, I don't want to go out there without the backup, you know, yeah. without, uh, being able to come up with something if the, if the response is good. I watched your, your talk at uh, Cal State Fullerton. Yeah. On a few occasions. I think I probably watched it three times. In I, I watched forms. it once all yeah. the way through. It was uh, <laughs> an interesting experience. No, I think, I mean, to view it critically, you can see that you need to be almost trance-like in your, you need to get to that kind of McKenna level in terms of working out from end to end for 20 minutes how yeah. you do this thing. Yeah, I need to, I need to pick my points and, yeah. you know, it needs to be structured. That was just off the top of my head, basically. Yeah. So, you know. You did have some planning for it, though. I mean, you take Oh, I spent a lot of time thinking about it. I knew what yes. ideas I wanted to talk about, but I yeah. only got to like three out of seven. Yeah. <laughs> you know, so, but that's okay. Uh, you know, it was, it was fun. I enjoyed it. That was. That Certainly. Was, yeah. So, I mean, and I thought it was pretty good too, actually. I was really surprised. I was a little afraid to watch it and, and I actually liked it. Mm. I thought that my, the way I came across as a character was not as nearly as obnoxious as I think I am. <laughs> well, I think you've become a character. I mean, you've become a new character, a new entity. Well, when I do public speaking, you have to do that. I mean, well, well even as a teacher, I mean, yeah. I, I was clearly aware of that uh, when I was teaching ESL. Yes, that that you're you're in, it's partly entertainment, you know. It, yes. It, <laughs> yeah, the second phenomenon that I wanted to raise with you, again associated with extensive self-promotion, yeah, related to the post that you put up associated with the Wikipedia entry for Simple English. Oh, yeah. And although you deleted it, I yeah. cannot understand why your fans, your loyal followers on Facebook... <laughs> have not yet created a Wikipedia entry for Well, because they probably feel like they're inadequate to do it. Shit, I don't feel adequate to, to do that. I mean, if I, if I, yeah, I, I almost would prefer that nobody did that because I probably won't like it. Well, I didn't like <laughs> mine for a period of time. I mean, for a period of time, I don't know when mine was created. Can you the, go in and write your own? You can, and people have. It's typically frowned upon, although increasingly for various kind of technical folk they sure. are allowed yeah, to go back and edit it because I, that's mm. what, what you're putting that up there got me to thinking is that if anybody's going to do that probably i ought to do it 
Well, that's interesting. I mean, I've liked the fact that about 20% of the information about me on Wikipedia is wrong. <laughs> I actually think that's a good ratio. I'm not particularly yeah. fussed by that. Well, no, I, I, that, no, that's not it. It's just the, the tone of it, the whole, the whole thing. I, I, don't, I think a lot of people who like what I'm doing, I don't think they really understand it. I mean, it's an intellectual idea to them. Well, but, I've but certainly it found that, yeah. I mean, yeah. I've certainly found that in terms of the respondees to your, who are clearly already fa- friends with you on Facebook. The kind of discussion that goes on typically indicates that they've missed a, a few of the stupidities along the way. I mean, I actually, I've observed <laughs> a few of the correspondents, particularly associated with these, I guess, broader notions of belief matters of fact, particularly associated with the universe and science. Yeah. I think there are still a lot of people that have kind of missed the... And I, I got this from Kant. I didn't get this from Stone. Um, but yeah. Kant has a good rap associated with how little we can know in the context of the universe and says it yeah. eloquently over yeah. many hundreds of pages. Um, so yeah, it's I one think, thing to yeah. accept that as an intellectual concept. It's another thing to feel it in your bones. Well, Kant links it to the sublime, which is a very good way yeah. of actually feeling it in your bones. Yeah. Because yeah, well, when it, you, yeah. the, the sublime is an emotion. It's not a linguistic thing at all. It's a feeling of completely being dwarfed by something. And Kant expresses that in terms of that is still your boundary yeah. of understanding. Yeah. You know, beyond that or even within that, you yeah. are touching on, and this is what he, describes as being the element of the sublime in this yeah, yeah. um but you yeah, know it's interesting I, that yeah. the people still focus on a sense of their own knowledge their own and they're friends with you on facebook i think that's the conjunction that took me a few minutes to realize but then i became kind of appreciative that these are people that are learning that's right through are, your stuff you that's know? right you know and, and that's <laughs> exactly why i'm there is to just you know, to put this stuff out there and make it part of the conversation. I mean, most people haven't had a chance to talk about this stuff before. Yeah. Really. <laughs> you know, they, but there are some people out there who are interested in talking about it. Now we have to clean up our language, though. I mean, that, that, that analogy to electricity still, I think, is a, just a really great analogy for us. You know, I mean, with the humility we have to approach this with it. We really don't have language up to the task of talking about consciousness or self or any of that stuff. And we're going to have to take a whole fresh look, start over, and, and start again and create a language that actually works. I don't think we need to disregard everything. I mean, my, not, my perspective not. associated with that is that we have a number of the pieces... We just have a lot of additional nonsense, a lot of... We well, have that, created that artificial contradictions, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. which I think is yeah. ultimately one of the great, you know, foibles within the discussion of consciousness is this whole either-or, yeah. this artificial dichotomy that seems to be, yeah. you know, framed in approaching a wire. And, you know, as much as I can do, I've tried to make philosophical satire out of it through noble apes. So yeah. that's really all I can do in this capacity. Well, you know, the, the one thing... <sighs> The idea of reality, that mm. seems to permeate just about everybody's concept. I, I'm not sure whether that's just Western, you know, or whether that, that really is universal. I don't know. I don't, I don't think it's universal. But anyway, it seems quite dominant, the idea that there is this hard reality out there. You know, mm. and even people who are real metaphysical, ooh, ooh kind of people 
who may deny that, when you look at them, you can see that that's in fact what they actually believe. Hmm. <laughs> that's really... a comfort blanket. That's their intellectual well, comfort well, blanket. Well, it's just it's they... the story that we've all had. We've you know yeah. it's it's been passed on from generation to generation for probably at least hundreds of generations and probably thousands of generations, and it's wrong. Hmm. <laughs> you know, it's just plain. You know, well, it's not that it's wrong. It's just a story. It's a way of making sense out of our experiences. There's nothing wrong with that, but it's not the way the universe actually is structured. It's just a way of thinking about the universe. You can, there are any number of possible ways of doing this, but this, this reification of this idea into the thing itself, it, I think, really central to what plagues this planet. If, if people, I mean, that seems to underlie almost every kind of human pathology that I can imagine. Is, am I over, Simplifying it? There are are many layers to it, which I found fascinating in terms of just trying to deconstruct. I mean, I talked a couple of weeks ago associated with going to the fair. Yeah. But you look around at the fair attendees (laughs) and you think the notion of reality is not even as explicit as you would want to attribute to them in this kind of discussion. No, I was not suggesting that they've actually thought this through. So within within this space, though. Emotionally, though. I mean, Within this space, living. though, you, yeah. I mean, I was listening to McKenna talk about the orgasm through the week, and I realized that actually McKenna has very little to say about sex in a non-intellectual fashion. But mm-hmm. if you look at, you know, particularly adolescent males, and really males <laughs> probably up until their 20s, we had this experience at the fairground before we entered that a couple of boys, they we call them boys, they were probably in their late teens, early 20s, yeah. maybe 20 at the oldest, who had come up from a local <laughs> farming school, had decided, and this probably identifies that we were also getting into this parking lot, but had decided that they would get into the, um, I don't even know what the parking, the premium parking parking lot without actually having a premium parking lot ticket and they did this by flirting very heavily with the teenage girl who was in control of the entry into the premium parking lot <laughs> really they flirted their and way in <laughs> yes and then they got in and quite happily got out of the vehicle because we parked next to them and just like were like you know high-fiving each other that their libido was clearly hot and they were primed to go into the fairground <laughs> and pick up some chicks now if i had stopped either of those gentlemen and said to them what what, what is your feeling about reality? I think I would have gotten very quizzical looks, if not a kind of slap upside the head. Right. So, yeah, I mean, my, my perspective is actually that there are things that are more primitive that obviously, as you would like to call it, frame a kind of hard R reality that these people are convinced about. But actually, it's probably along considerably more you know, primitive, primeval level. I don't see any contradiction between that uh, and and what I was just saying. It seems... Well, you you see, part of your rap is the acknowledgement of this this thing that people are embracing called reality. I mean, if there is something that is... It returns to our discussion associated with the sub-linguistic language, like the Mm. sub-language monkey. See, I've never really run into one. You, this is something you claim to have seen that yes. uh, I've never encountered, actually. Yes. Well, oh, except maybe actually, in a hospital, in a coma or something. You've never, I don't think you've actually, I mean, you haven't done your 
you haven't done the kind of applied anthropological research. You're very much the theorist associated with this language monkey stuff. Oh, of course. You observe from afar. I, I observe in Starbucks and at work and I observe everywhere yeah. I am. Yes. You know, that's but you're all, still dealing with all I have. You're still dealing with you see, what what we found about the fair was that a lot of people had come in... We left, and we were going towards San Jose, and everyone else was going in another direction, which we assumed was, I don't know, Fresno, Sacramento, that particular direction. So when we were at the fair, we kind of got a great sense that these were people, in general, who were not in any way... I mean, there's this kind of bubble that we get in Silicon Valley, which is very curious. <laughs> yeah. Right. Yeah. When I used to live yeah. here in 2000, I used to enjoy traveling by train because I could actually leave that mentality. Yeah. I'm not sure if I've told this story, but one one of the people that I met on the train was a mother and father who had rescued their daughter from uh, from marrying a man. They basically pulled her back from the wedding, and the whole trip, which was wow. about two and a half days, was of the parents trying to set me up with their daughter, <laughs> which was really a very curious experience at the time, including accidentally stumbling into their area when I was trying to look for the, you know, food car to get, you know, a, a, an evening drink of something, and just seeing these parents with the daughter kind of coming Almost, I don't know, like a Hitchcock movie. But I guess, I guess I have a kind of broader, and this is truly an appreciation. This isn't a negative thing that there are for, for every language monkey that you would want to uh, brand, Heron. I think there's probably something that's, but you'll never get, the problem is that you will probably never get this through an interaction on Skype. The nature of which you surveyed these language monkeys has always been, well, I mean, at least they've owned a computer, had an internet connection, gotten on Skype, and actually figured yeah, out I, that I they can talk I, to yeah, you I on have, Skype. I, I, I know there's a whole lot of people that I don't interact with that I actually don't have a whole lot of interest in interacting with well, that's what, this is exactly my point i mean my yeah. point is that if if you went out and just you know accidentally stumbled through every man you would potentially find that what i describe as kind of sublinguistic oh i'm sure that's out there i'm yeah. no i'm not i'm not questioning the truth of that i'm just saying i haven't run into it because yeah. I've spent the last 30 years learning how to avoid precisely those people. Certainly. <laughs> you know, and I'm actually quite good at it. Yeah. No, I'm very <laughs> impressed. I'm, I'm always impressed by this. <laughs> yeah, I'm sure. In fact, I'm, you're right. That, that's a huge, that, that's a part of the world that needs to be dealt with. You're right. It's something yeah. I haven't really ever really put much emphasis on. There's my audience. I've seen it as much smaller than that. You know, yeah, yes. I think you're right. There's a lot more people probably in the category you're talking about, or at least heavily into that category. They still have language machines that function, but uh, they may not have much going on in them. Yeah. Yeah. Or yeah. they're What percentage with... do you think that... See, I'm surprised that you would run into them and that I wouldn't, given the way I've lived for the last 30 well, years. Well, you see, you say that, but I mean, I've, you know, I've had periods of time in my life of... Uh, well, that's true, yeah. You know, I've lived in yeah. the YMCA and stuff like that. I mean, I think the, actually okay. it's one of the curious things about the way I live currently that... This is uh, out of the ordinary, yeah. yeah well, slightly, yeah. I mean, it's the kind of thing, actually, I've gone through that threshold that I encountered when I was in the UK... Of that kind of, oh, you're middle class now. What the fuck? <laughs> Jesus Christ. Yeah. This is what just happened? abysmal. Yeah. yeah. Should I actually own Apple stock now? Jeez. 
You see, we were once the revolutionaries, Heron. We were once the revolutionaries. We still are. Somewhere winding its way towards New York City is a little USB thumb drive with actually a series of bits of Ah. audio (laughs) specially selected, Heron, by our listeners. And I want to send out, in particular, a shout-out to Connor Seitz-Bowen and Tracy Portillo. And I'm trying to think who else gave me really constructive feedback associated with this audio. Uh, Pretty well no one else. Um, But those bits of feedback, in particular Connor's feedback, were so productive in my own thinking. And in particular, he has... He has listened to so many Stone Apes that he actually understands that the comedic elements of Stone Ape is the kind of glue <laughs> that holds it all together. <laughs> and without the comedic elements, yeah. yeah, without the comedic elements, it's just two curmudgeons yelling at each other. <laughs> and he, he did it beautifully. He sent me about four paragraphs outlining various bits of audio, gave, giving me quite critical cut points, which I implemented almost all of. Yeah. And put it together on a thumb drive and wrote. How long, a, how long is the, how much audio did you use? It's about 30 minutes of audio. 30 minutes? Oh, Jesus. It's about 30 minutes in, uh, maybe six or seven se- separate segments. Yeah. And there are so many addresses. Associated with Sirius Radio. Sirius is going through some kind of <laughs> rework internally. What I thought about doing initially, because I have sufficient connections on LinkedIn, was actually adding a few of the Sirius programmers on LinkedIn mm, and then yeah. contacting them through yeah. that formally. Yeah. But I right. decided that that was a bit too stalky. And <laughs> I thought in general, I probably should just. Well, that'll it be and see what plan happens. B. <laughs> yes. Yes. Stalking, if at first this does not succeed. Yeah. <laughs> it is interesting to do a dry touch associated with our format. I mean, my my general perspective, particularly through my experiences with Field of Chaos, is that this will not be a successful method. <laughs> but I think it's an initial way of, you know, getting it out there. And it means probably every six months I will do exactly what I've done in the past month and gather together audio and, and think about, you know, doing a, a similar approach. Well, yeah, we should just begin from the very beginning. We've got some audio already, and... Um... And if they, and what is it that, that they're, they're going to pay us a whole bunch of money to do this or what? <laughs> well, the, the, the idea is firstly that we will do something separate for Sirius, that the folks who listen to Stone Ape and have enjoyed Stone Ape will basically yeah. get exactly the same stuff. Yeah. I'm interested actually hearing back from Sirius associated with what kind of stuff they might be looking for us to do. Okay. But what I would, I, but I mean, are like they going to, you're, they're going to pay us, right? Yes. Okay, I mean that's that's, that's important. Otherwise, there's no point in doing it. Well, no. you well, not that. No, you well, no, you're that, right. But reaching no, an audience no, might reach actually an audience. be a benefit. No, you're yeah. right. You're right. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah, reaching audience. Yeah, and we might just do exactly what the fuck they want if it really looks like it would reach a large audience. I, I, I mean, my spiritual advisor put it very candidly when she said that we will probably fit the highly lucrative 3 a.m. to 4 a.m. on Wednesday <laughs> slot. Yeah. And I said, look, well, that's we okay. Reach, yeah, if we reach insomniacs, we're actually reaching some of the most important people. That's throughout. right. Yeah, really. Yeah. Who wants the boring normal people? Exactly. Yeah. They're yeah. not going to start our revolution. They're not going to build fires and, no, you know, and fire up yeah. police. That's right. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah, okay. I, I'm all for it. Yeah. yeah. 
uh, it'll be interesting to see what happens. I suspect you won't even ever hear anything back. No, I mean, look, my, my experience with regards to, to, to dry submissions on Field of Chaos was that three copies ended up in secondhand bookstores around where... And I'm actually quite pleased that the people who didn't read the book just put them in secondhand bookstores. I mean, I think that's, that's nice. Yeah, know. they could have thrown them yeah. in a trash can. That exactly. I think the remainder yeah. did. I think the remaining yeah. twenty odd copies ended up in the trash can. <laughs> trash. But it was nice to know that three of them at least. Did anybody actually respond to you no. though and say no, thank you? No, I think it's these. They just yeah. Yeah, the, the yeah. distinction which no, they again, got, uh, they're busy. They got things to do. They yeah, they're they paid to actually review, you know, actual yeah. books that are published by real publishers still as, yeah. as they, you know, wind away their hours before I guess they become sports commentators or whatever they become. <laughs> yeah, it is all very curious. So, you know, that probably won't be a thing, but at least it's an attempt. And I, but you never can tell though. Yeah, the thing yeah. is, you know, you, the, the right person reads that letter if it just happens to cross the right desk. Well, the hope is that the audio will be the, the the letter is a single page, and I made it distinctly brief and just outlined the with the. No, but that's that, important. I mean, they may not even listen. Well, my hope is that they will listen. Yeah, yeah. My, if they don't listen, then we obviously won't have anything. Well, so, then you have to rewrite the letter. The letter has to be the reason for them to, to listen. listen. Well, I, my else? hope is that's yeah, that. Yeah. So. Well, hope is one thing. Well, we'll see. You know? Yeah. Uh, it'd be nice if they just at least say no thank you. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I think to some of them I have mutual connections, and I might actually be able to do this considerably more organized in the near future. <laughs> yeah. But as it was, I just wanted to, you know, get my feet wet. Yeah, in just the process see what happens. And, yeah. yeah. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. With the view that we can, you know, we'll have to recycle some of the audio in the submission. Uh, but, you know, some of the audio, I mean, I heard particularly positive feedback, and I need to give this assessment because um, our, our former topic, I, I don't even want to refer to him really as our former topic, the phone hacker John Draper Crunch mm. was in Thailand uh, recently, up until I think today or yesterday, and flew back to the US and collapsed on the plane. He's currently in hospital. Uh, he's well enough to use his iPad, but apparently he can't move his legs. So that audio, I think, will remain topical for quite some time, just because Connorsites Bowen identified it as being the most ridiculous shit he'd ever heard and uh, found it absolutely hysterical. But yeah, the, the stuff associated, <laughs> I had stuff associated with uh, Elliot Roger, and I think that'll lose its, you know, I wanted to include some topical stuff and just some general wrapping. Uh, but yeah, no doubt we, we will need to think about uh, things to talk about of a topical nature and then upcoming Stone Apes so we can get more audio of this ilk. Although I think we'll just do it naturally. So Well, yeah, I don't, well, I don't know. I'm, I'm open to this thing taking in any direction as long as I don't have to prepare for it. Amen. <laughs> Amen. And I will continue to maintain that particular direction. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm cool. Yeah. Yes. So we had a rather interesting experience over the weekend. I have been kind of progressively going through my Facebook friends and removing them. Mm. And it's an ongoing project, and I'm reducing it more and more. You started with how many? I started with 1,200. I'm going through now the it... 300s now. Ah, cool. Uh, with my aim to probably wow. make it to 200 and then just see what happens. Yeah. On Monday or Tuesday, I was contacted by a fellow who actually, he and his wife, who I went to university with both of them, unfriended me six years ago. And I very swiftly, after a short correspondence, unfriended him and blocked him, actually, because I didn't really particularly want to kind of continue a discussion with him. But earlier on the weekend, a 
fellow who I knew for only a very brief period of time. He was actually a friend of a friend who was the kind of quintessential music student at the time. He had a, what we call in Australia a station wagon. I don't know what you call it here. What would you call it? Um, beats me. It's a like station a large, wagon is, is, is the, it's the got an extra well. row of seats where the trunk you yep, would be. Exactly. There's actually a yeah. seating area back well, there. Well, yeah, in Australia that just means an extra large trunk where you can, yeah. can we may or may not have seats. Oh, okay, no, in a, in a station wagon mm-hmm. in the U.S. actually has no trunk. Okay. It just goes all the way to the back, and there's an extra row of seat, and there may be a little storage area behind the yes. seat. Yes. But, but not, you know, yeah, anyway. Anyway, he had one of these because he was a drum major um, ah, in high yes. school. And, um, I had a friend who was a bassist. Yes. And <laughs> so he and I had a few really quite interesting conversations uh, back in that period of time through our mutual friend, and then my our mutual friend had a falling out with him, which meant he pretty well disappeared off the scene. He befriended me on Facebook maybe a couple of years ago, and I saw through his Facebook posts that he um, was travelling with his girlfriend at the time through the US, and I said, oh yeah, are you coming to San Francisco? And he said, yes, I'll be in San Francisco over the weekend, and our plan is to drive down to LA. And I said, well, we're on the way of that drive, I mean, we're in the South Bay, so why don't you swing by for a meal? And he and his fiance at the time, he proposed to her actually in San Francisco, so went from girlfriend to fiance, came down and had a meal with us, I guess, Saturday night. And I this have past not had, Saturday night? This past Saturday. Oh, cool. And I have not had such a nice meal with someone in a long period of time. <laughs> How nice. Yeah. It reaffirmed to me, actually, yeah. that I was perfectly capable of having friends, and that I did have yeah. friends that were reasonable human beings, but perhaps the friends that I'd cultivated in the past decade were more my problem <laughs> well, than actually yes. me. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> Who was that? There, somebody said, you know, you may not be depressed. You may just, you need to be sure that you're not just surrounded by assholes. Yes. <laughs> Many comedians come to mind. It could be anyone. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So, yes, I had that experience over the weekend, and yeah. I realized that um, I <laughs> need to really savagely start reducing yeah. a number of these assholes that I have connections with on Facebook. <laughs> Sounds reasonable, yeah. So, yeah, I went yeah. through a wide variety of See, I don't think of people on yeah. Facebook. I mean, I have some friends who are on Facebook. Yes. But that's just sort of coincidental. Yes. I don't think just because Facebook chooses to call my contacts yes. friends <laughs> that they're well, friends. These are people that I have met in Squish in the past 10 years who really, to my view, are just these news providers through Facebook mm-hmm. that never interact with me. And I like their stuff periodically, but they would yeah. never interact with me. I mean, yeah. It, yeah. you know, I've mentioned them on Price Stone Apes. You can go back and listen to the names that I've mentioned. And yeah. a lot of these people are people who I realize just aren't my friends. So why am I even yeah. in this relationship? Well, with well because of through this- for, for publicity and for, uh, for business purposes. That's, well, and I- that's why I'm here. Yes. You know, I'm not here. I'm not looking for friends. (laughs) Well, it's interesting, actually, because my view is that um, through the various vehicles that I have, you know, model rail radio, this, Noble Ape, what have you, there are places on Facebook where people who are interested in those things can go. And if I have something associated with model rail radio that I want to promote, I go to the model rail radio page. I don't spam my friend group to do that. Well, that might not be. Well, it's. 
I don't think it'd be spamming to at least post it on your own page. I, well, you and I have slightly different views. Right, you would think that's, that's spamming to, well, to post something problem, on your own the page? The problem I have is through elections and through a wide variety of periods of time, I'm inundated with crap that just does, it doesn't, you know, it's not a pleasant experience for me. I think I've become well, why jaded. do you even pay any attention to that shit? Because it's in front of my face. Ah, well, you need to learn a little self-discipline here. Well, no, actually, my perspective is that I've maintained self-discipline for the past 10 years that I've interacted with Facebook. Yeah. I think it's now time for me to tailor yeah. an experience, which is... Well, no, I agree. I'm not to, suggesting yeah. you shouldn't do what you're doing. I'm just, yeah... Yeah, I see. I have none of these problems with Facebook. I just don't pay any attention well, to that shit unless I'm bored. Explicitly for a degree of promotion, which it's I per, think, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's all. That's what it's for. It's to put my ideas into the world. Yeah, and um, it's the best thing I've come up with yet. Yeah. Whereas my perspective is those vehicles exist on Facebook. There are pages on Facebook, but my day to day life, and more importantly, yeah. the day to day life of all these other people. For example, this week, one of the listeners to Model Rail Radio, who, for whatever reason, I'd still maintained a connection with, they'd survived the first 800 couples. <laughs> the first purge. Yeah, died of a heart attack. And he died of a heart attack, and his wife posted the conditions associated with his heart attack on Facebook. And I thought to he, myself, He'd been worried that he was going to be unfriended by you, probably. <laughs> The problem was that through this experience, it became clear that his he, for whatever reason, had not been under the right health care and all these other things, so that his the cost associated with his final treatment, i.e. the trip in the ambulance, etc., and um, his, you know, cremation, he couldn't even afford a funeral, was being borne by his wife, and there was this... Fun, effectively funding drive to fund his last medical expenses and his cremation. Yeah. I don't recall, aside from a few likes, ever really having any correspondence with this fellow, but I felt very emotionally involved by his wife's narrative. Mm-hmm. It was, uh, you know, it was something that you, as I read, had a, an emotional impact on me because very, as we talked about initially when we started this call, a large part of the American experience is dying sufficiently poor that you can't even pay your last bills or yeah. pay for your yeah. own burial. No, yeah, that's, that's quite common. What, 50% of the population maybe or more? Well, I don't know. Well, more, I would imagine. Yeah, it could be. Yeah, it, it's when a huge... When you start actually exploring these statistics, you start to realize it's... how grave it really is for a majority well, of the Well, but population. that's exactly why it's clear that this whole system is not going to continue very much longer. Yes, but there is the remote possibility that they might win the lottery, Heron, and this seems to be the motivating <laughs> Well, it would be nice if we could teach their children how to think, wouldn't it? Mm. I mean, this is, I guess, my point. Maybe these people are not the people that you're interested in reaching. I'm interested in reaching anybody who will listen. Well, you say that, but I mean, if you, there, there are a few tiers. Well, see, that's that. why, listen, that's why I say, really, we should just go for the children with, yeah. uh, with educational apps for the iPad and, <laughs> and, uh, go directly for the kids. It's too late for most adults. They're brain damaged language monkeys, and yes, they can uh, change all that, but it really takes dedication and commitment on their part to do that, and not many of them seem to be up to that. I guess my broader concern here, and I, I use the R word here very heavily in quotation marks, is that the these adults are the ones who are raising these children. No, they're not, actually. 
I mean, well, they're only using the R in heavy quotation, they're, flashing they're, red. You know. Well, no, I mean, uh, the media is a large thing, and their friends, I mean, the parents are becoming, a, most parents, are anyway, are becoming less of an influence, although they're part of it, for sure, mm. absolutely. That's why, yeah. but that's why it's important we make apps for them real young and get to them early mm. <laughs> before they're totally brain damaged by their parents. You're right. Yes. But that doesn't seem impossible. I mean, I, I, mean, I think we could do something like that, and people wouldn't even get what's really going on, you know? Yeah. They just think it's, oh, this is an app for the baby. <laughs> you yeah, know? it's interesting, actually, in terms of, I mean, I've been doing this very practically in terms of my own work. You know, what will it take to make this into an app? What will it take yeah. to make this into an app? You know, if I was to make Noble Ape into an app, you know, let's think about just help as a concept associated with interacting with the environment and providing, you know, interactive help functionality. Yeah. All these kind and, of things. And giving you, you feedback on your own thinking. Exactly. You know, analyzing your language, yeah. your input to it, and offering suggestions as to how you might want to reword that. Certainly. <laughs> I mean, I think all these things are... It's interesting that the, the simplest possible app is relatively simple to program, but once you move from that simplest possible app, you have so many, I mean, even the next level of detail, like a card playing app or something yeah. like that, yeah. requires so much additional work that really, it, I found well, it yeah, to make a real app. Yeah. These developers at <laughs> WWDC because yeah. they invest between three months and a year into every app that they create. That long, really? Yeah. Well, if you can do a good app, yeah, I guess that's, that makes sense. I mean, yeah, you can probably knock out some piece of shit in a week, but. Yes. If you really want to make something that's slick and that really works and is cool, then yeah, you're going to have to work at it. Yes. It is but that's worth it because if you really do create something that works, that does it, what, I mean, you know, then it just gets better, you know, and then you got 1.1, mm. <laughs> you know, and, but yeah, if you, if you can do something good to begin with, wow. Yeah, a group of folk I knew at Apple have created a startup, and I met a couple of them for lunch, and we talked about this notion of building communities. I've done this periodically, actually. It's funny because I've met a few people I've known periodically who are interested in picking my brains associated with how you create communities rapidly. It's almost like something I could consult for. In most of these cases, I will buy them lunch because I don't like feeling like I'm being bought in these conversations. But yeah, the... the What's wrong with being bought? Um, in these circumstances... I mean, as long as everybody usually, knows what we're doing. Yeah... <laughs> I think the nature of these, I feel, I feel a certain amount of my time can be given quite easily, but I like to define that time. Yeah. So, you know, that is a difficult process in and of itself. Yeah, well, I'm working on that too. I mean, mm. that, that's why I bring it up. Is, is that something I'm going to have to start considering is mm. when am I consulting and being paid for it? Yeah. And when am I just bullshitting with somebody? Yeah, the nature <laughs> of these venture capital companies is very interesting associated with these startups. I mean, these Apple guys have gone two separate venture capital firms in relatively short order to put money in sufficient for them to work a couple of years before they create this thing. Wow, that's amazing. How do you, yeah, that's, that strikes me as just amazing that anybody would believe anything like that. <laughs> well, <laughs> you know? the question, I mean, my experience, you know, 15 odd years ago dealing with venture capital companies is that you give away a percentage of your intellectual output to them. That's what they want, basically. Um, so you have to form an entity well, which they can then take a certain percentage are of. 
they the, really the, able to? I mean, because really they're betting on the integrity of these people. They're mm, betting yes. that these people can do what they say they're going to do. Yes. And or they can gather other people around them. Well, that they, they can they actually produce what they say they're going to do within the yeah. time frame that they say. And apparently, like I say, I guess I just am really harder to convince. I, it's hard for me to imagine you know, that people put up millions of dollars for these things that when you look at them two years later and you think, what the fuck were they thinking? Well, <laughs> it's know? interesting, actually, because it's about, I mean, they, they appreciate only a 10% success rate, typically. Really? You've Is it that? Yeah, you've got to appreciate that, that they, if, if, they have, if they have $200 million, they're willing to spend $2 million with the view that they can make $2 billion. I okay, mean, it's, so they're it's just kind betting of on big time there. Okay, yeah. yeah. And, and that actually makes them money? All these startups that I can see seem to be either in the view that they're going to be bought out, which many of them are, yeah. or that they are filling a sufficient niche that the likes of Apple, Google, Facebook, et al. will not stomp on them. I My experience with these entities was that you almost need a kind of schizophrenic mind in order to survive in this kind of environment. And it's interesting looking at the companies that put money in. I mean, the VC companies, the big ones, particularly yeah. in this part of the world because yeah they i don't know for me anyway i find See, we need been... to do a gendo seminar for those guys yeah <laughs> well what i was trying to do in part with conscious in the cloud was bring some of these folk together because i think there's a sufficient intellectual community and also a sufficient venture capital community that these communities should be able to come together and work well together that would be interesting i yeah. I, well, it depends on the individuals. It's yeah. just really about attracting those individuals who are all basically tuned in on some other level. Yeah. You know. Through the week, our listener Bob Mottram posted a new robot startup that is going through a Kickstarter in order to get funding. And this robot company was founded by Cynthia Brazil, who I previously referred to as the, the pinup girl of robotics AI. She still, I think, works at MIT. But she has brought together a group of people, including a guy I used to work with at Netflix, to form this robot startup. The robots are costing, and they are, they're basically face screens with, which are touch sensitive LED screens, round LED screens. Yeah. With two separate kind of robot arm motors. So the face screens can actually watch you as you move around the room. Yeah. They're a bit like, I don't know, seated toddlers with interactive faces that can look at you. Well, there's an iPad app uh, that goes with a a robot. (laughs) And you just stick the iPad on top of it. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, Yeah, it's getting interesting. (laughs) Yeah, so the robots retail for about um, $600, which I thought was just, I mean, although you've got touchscreens and things in this, it just seems a little bit too much money for me to put into a Kickstarter. And what actually does it do? It does a variety of things. It it well, it'll provide an interface for you with your cell phone, so you can call people, interact with people through that. <laughs> but it will take photographs of you and others. You're buying ah, into an operating system okay, that's idea. Good. So you have this robot yeah, that will talk camera. to you, interact with you. But really, what you're doing is probably providing a monthly subscription or something like that to this 
software company that is constantly updating the software behind yeah, the so scenes. Yes, we need Watson on this thing. Yes. Yes, that's what yeah. we want. Um, I'd, I'd like cussing Watson, actually. That's the well, we want, yeah, we want, we want an open source Watson. Yeah. <laughs> Motherfucking Tom, you're late home again. You're not treating me well, Tom. Am yeah. I just your robot bitch? Yeah, that's what I want to hear. <laughs> well, if that's what you want to hear, go for it. Mine will be slightly different. Thank you. <laughs> well, not if you get Watson. <laughs> well, no, that's the thing is you, you can create your own interface with yes. it. Be the, the thing is that you got under the hood, you got that, all that shit, but your interface is something you tailor for yourself. Yeah, but it was interesting. I mean, I think Cynthia Brazil has never really lent her, her, uh, you know, reputation to this kind of company. And the, fe- the fellow she hired from Netflix wouldn't have come cheap, I don't think. So she must have some pretty good backers to this thing. And, I mean, compared to Rodney Brook, the last AI researcher to come out of MIT Lab, he created iRobot, which, aside from the Roomba, also makes a wide variety of <laughs> military killbots. Um, yeah. I don't know. I feel slightly better about Cynthia Brazil's work, but I think, again, slightly overpriced, slightly yeah. mispitched, although they've been able to raise $1.1 million, which is not a lot of money. Not for this kind of project. Consider yeah. the number of people and also, I mean, I imagine the Netflix guy alone is probably, you know, a third to a half of that in terms of what he would be charging even a yeah. startup in these circumstances. So, yeah, it is an interesting... Uh, I'm just curious, one. what the hell does he bring to the table? Uh, he probably brings all the server-side stuff which needs to scale very rapidly if they're successful. So he would bring um, okay, so it's the, how you create servers yeah. to add okay. exponentially yeah, probably I got it. through okay, yeah, the likes yeah. of Amazon or something Yeah, right, like I understand. It has nothing to do yeah. with the... the product of this thing well, like, actually, or very little more to, to do with the product if you want to do like language analysis and this kind of stuff than the actual robot itself does well in that case yeah well and he and he's doing that too yeah well no he's doing the server side i would imagine oh okay well anyway, whatever anyway yeah, he's, he's, the VP he's, of he's a big, big, the big deal guy yeah. and he's getting a bunch of money to do this so. yeah yeah He's probably, the, in terms of, I mean, in terms of previous, I was looking through the other guys and they all are kind of a bit soft along the sides associated with prior experience in this area. But yeah, my, my friend, uh, former, former colleague at Netflix is certainly a guy who would be able to do that. Um, and no doubt is, is doing very comfortably through it. But yes, I guess these things are coming together slowly but surely. I'm always, I'm mindful because one of the first startups I worked with when I moved to this country was a telephony startup. And some of that, some of that intellectual property actually ended up in Skype through a long meandering set of, you know, <laughs> roundabout yeah. ways. But yeah, there was a, um, there were a couple of companies that came out before this particular startup. And there was this whole period where they were talking about, well, it's okay that so-and-so's come out, and it's okay that so-and-so's come out. Actually, the fellow who headed the company now sells home insurance. (laughs) (laughs) I looked him up on LinkedIn recently. He was On the internet, or does he go door-to-door? No, on the internet. I mean, he goes door-to-door, too, I'm assuming. But, yeah, he has... It was interesting because I looked him up. He was very similar to you, Heron. His big pitch was... (laughs) <laughs> he he had written everything down on computer since the early eighties, uh-huh. and he could go back through his journal, which was more than a more than I think a hundred megabytes at the time, which was pretty impressive in two thousand to have a hundred megabytes worth of journal. <laughs> he had conversations he had with Steve Jobs. He had the fact that Bill Gates smelt. 
I mean, he had all this kind of stuff in his journals, and, and this was his claim to fame. I think everybody smells once in a while, don't they? <laughs> Apparently, Bill Gates smells all the time. Ah, so. and this guy spent that much time with him. Yes. Okay, all right. But don't, well, I thought like, that was Steve Jobs, so that was part of their bond, I guess. No, no, that was you. Yeah. <laughs> he his claim to fame was to make the first modem with a sticker on it saying "Only made in the U.S." This was his <laughs> oh, big thing. He was a nationalist, actually. Mr. It was very Chico, curious. Yeah, yeah. Pink <laughs> lemonade is what he drank. He didn't drink any alcohol, just pink lemonade. And now he's selling home insurance. More power to him. But through this narrative, um, it was very much of, oh, so-and-so comes out. Oh, they're no problem to us. They're no problem to us. They're no problem to us. And his CTO ended up taking all the IP and going to a company in Chicago that then sold a good bunch of the IP to the company that then sold a good bunch of the IP to Skype. So through all of this, and I walked away with my audio compression stuff and just watched whatever was going on there. Uh, but, yeah, interesting times in terms of being in the kind of intelligent agent, you know, long-term modelling thing to work out these companies slowly coming up, and I kind of think mm. to myself, the time for Noble 8 may have already come and may have passed. Well, and I will just, just continue phase to do it one. That's all. You know, yeah. whatever it is, it it it's not it's not been wasted. You, no, it's not you know, by any yeah. means. And yeah, but in yeah, calling it noble students. ape and thinking, yeah. yeah, yeah, who who knows how it what form it will take in the future? You know, sometime in the next week, I think the International Society of Artificial Life is going to get together in New York City. They intentionally pick New York City because apparently there's a lot of other stuff to do in New York City. And having attended one of these artificial life conferences, having other stuff to do is always a good thing. It's probably better than being out in uh, East Lansing, Michigan, uh, and having nothing to do uh, around an artificial life conference. I, through last week, renewed my membership to the International Game Developers Association, but did not renew my international my membership to the International Society of Artificial Life. And I think I'm actually going to remove myself entirely from all their related communications. In large part because I think they've gone in a completely different direction to me. And um, yeah, giving an award to a guy who's been basically out of contact for the past 20 years just strikes me like I don't really need to be interacting. Yeah, with that's folks. not your group. <laughs> exactly. So moving on from yes. that, I've gone through some kind of... Uh, you know, re-evaluation associated with what I need to be doing and come back to the view that focusing on Noble Ape and moving it in a few different directions is what keeps me happy in the evenings. And, yeah. You know, that's yeah. the direction it should go. With the view that somehow another generation may discover this and somehow another generation might find this useful. Well, you may find uh, new uses for it yourself. Oh, without question. What interests me is there's still a trickle of people who contact me associated associated with the biota recordings that I took predominantly about five years ago, uh, but, you know, leading up until the past couple of years for occasional recordings. Mm -hmm. And I think that is a kind of perennial in terms of folks finding it and listening to it and then getting in contact with me to, you know, thank me for it being there. But I don't know whether I will record more. I mean, I have a couple more Conscious in the Clouds potentially planned, but that in and of itself has been an interesting project, but not really... I don't know, not really something that has created the kind of community that I've been looking for. Yeah, that. yeah. So I think it's a time, as I used to refer to periodically with Bruce Damer associated with the uh, kind of winterizing my, uh, you know, general yeah. development. 
I've been thinking about starting a meetup group just, mm. just to see if – I'm not quite sure how or what I'd do. But, but uh, like I say, it, giving that talk was really useful for me. You know, I need to be talking with more people. Mm. And uh, so I'm, I haven't done it yet, but I'm not quite sure how I would do it really. I mean just yeah. – what I'd call it, or you know, yeah. have you considered doing something like that? What, well, well, that was what, what you were what, doing. Yeah, that's what yeah I was it was doing. a meetup group. So, yeah, yeah what, $15 a quarter to do it? What it costs, 15 bucks a quarter? Yeah. Okay. I mean, I think the most expensive thing potentially could be the space, unless you decided to meet up at a restaurant or something. Well, for me, yeah, that's what we'll do. Yeah, because it'll be, I don't imagine whatever I say is going to draw a lot of people. But if it draws the right ones, uh, you know, again, if, if I ask some provocative questions and, and people actually respond to those questions, then it'll be an interesting group. It may be two or three people. <laughs> yes. Well, I mean, that's where it really gets curious is that I mean, I certainly found with Conscious in the Cloud, the larger group was the folks who were coming to listen, not necessarily contribute. And actually, yeah. when contributions were made, you know, there were a few that were well pitched, but most of them were genuinely curious. Yeah. And I don't know. I mean, I think these communities exist. I, I've told this story before, but I'll tell it again. One of the folks who attended some of the early Conscious in the Clouds invited me to a party that she was having. And I went with my spiritual advisor. We went into the Los Altos Hills, and within about three minutes of entering, I realized that she was passing me people to pitch their ideas to me. And I felt distinctly uncomfortable. It was also really a really unpleasant space. It was hot and noisy. <laughs> and I realized that my spiritual advisor was kind of slinking out and yeah. ended up sitting on a And everybody step was coming upstairs. up with you with a sales pitch. And I was, and I eventually <laughs> kind of slinked out and we decided to go home. We actually left my wife's favorite Pyrex dish there and we've never had it back. So there was some net loss through this whole interaction, but yeah. I realized that that is, I mean, being pitched by, and I hate to use this in a kind of pejorative sense, but being pitched by losers seems to be, you know, the mindset that you cannot get yourself into with this. I, well, I, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I feel I'm rehermitizing my life currently, Heron, and I don't re know. Re what? Rehermitizing my oh, life. Hermitizing, yeah. Yes. Well, I think that's a perfectly reasonable thing to do, yes. Yes. Yeah, it, the, it'll, yeah, it brings some stability. The, the, this, the world is fucking crazy. Mm. <laughs> you know, if you don't make some time to sit and stare at the wall and just sort of calm down. <laughs> well, time is the commodity here. I mean, this yeah. is, I think, what's oh, that's it. Yeah, it's striking yeah. through it. Yeah, it, this does, and that's the, the cost. This actually does require a commitment of time. Yeah. Yeah, that's like meditation, you know, is, well, I mean, that's sort of like concentrated thing, but, but, you know, to, to really seriously approach something like that, you got to give it 40 minutes a day. Yeah. You know, and that's, a, that's a lot of time. Yes. And it's boring. <laughs> it's really boring. Well, having had occasional <laughs> insights into your language machine, Heron, that might be... Well, no, there are the... That's the point, is that you do get these occasional insights amid all the boring. <laughs> yes. Yes, amid all the boring. Yes. But that's not a bad price to pay, actually. There is a lot of boring, but actually... I've had some really interesting insights that I think have paid off quite well. So, yes, I find I find parts of my time being utilized. I mean, for example, I'm I'm I record in this room 
in our house. Your studio. Which is still being... The problem was I got to the point where it was just ready to be photographed. And then my spiritual advisor found half a dozen additional boxes that have kind of gone in here. And I thought that Uh. the antique doors was something that I could work on. So I started on the antique doors... And the doors are in, but I need to do some additional modifications. And these things all take time. time. Yes. Absolutely. Time. Yeah. Yeah. yeah that's, time. that's the, that's, that's the big issue. Time. Every second, you've got so many seconds to be alive. How yes. are you going to use those seconds? Yes. And I do reflect quite heavily, uh, particularly, you know, associated with my kind of work a day life that the investment of time to produce money isn't always the best possible investment of time. Well, sometimes, well, that's something to be considered. Yes. Yeah. The, the, all of the possibilities need to be considered. Certainly. Certainly. But yes, as I sit here and kind of reflect on the various things, I do spend a genuine amount of good philosophical time here in my kind of podcasting room slash library <laughs> slash what Your happened. cell. This is your cell. Just like it's yes. your, your monk's cell. Actually, it's cell. funny. It's yeah. funny. As I've been, I thought I could actually put a bed in here quite comfortably. Yeah. yeah. And, you know, take naps if need be. Sure. Yeah. The problem is that it's in the very corner of the house and it's probably the most thermally dysfunctional part of the house oh, in that wow. regard. I would need to get an know, air conditioner. Kind of, so I just get a window yes. air conditioner for it. Yes. Actually, we are in the process of looking for a, a window air conditioner for uh, my spiritual yeah, advisors. Yeah, uh, so get bathroom. two. So, so get two of them. Yes. The problem is the um, yeah the window air conditioners are. Uh, I don't know. We have we have one ground based air conditioner which I would get a couple more of that just have the tubes that you kind of yeah. fix to the windows. Yeah. And I actually quite like those. The problem is oh. that they you know they they weigh a bit. They're a bit hefty. Yeah. Uh, well, but it's it's a it's a problem you you can solve maybe not perfectly, but uh, if it you know if you if, it, if you're serious you know about it you can do it. Yeah. Some way you can make that room comfortable to. Um, to make it your monk's cell. Yes. <laughs> and I think um, we now have three different groups of family members that will be converging on us in the month of October. Really? Yes, mid to late Who's October, coming? in fact. My father's second wife, who comes from the US originally, but has spent most of her life in Indonesia and Australia, a graduate of both Cornell and Berkeley, will be here. She is, um, <laughs> she's older than you are, Heron. She's, um, I don't know how old she is. She must be in her mid seventies by now. Yeah, yeah. Eight years older than my father, yeah, mid seventies. So she'll be coming for, uh, a few days, maybe three or four. And what is she and- doing these days? So I think she's she's still a peri- I mean these you know these emeritus academics never she's an anthropologist by training a medical anthropologist uh-huh. so she's still doing that okay I so think. she's yeah she's active intellectually and yeah, uh, yeah okay yeah. she she doesn't sit home and watch let's make a deal <laughs> no I don't think there's any deals is let's make. make a deal still on TV I bet I don't it know. is isn't it but being, you, you have you heard of it I've heard of it yeah being okay. my father's second wife. <laughs> She lives in a penthouse in Australia. It's quite extraordinary, actually, where she lives because she has a substantial view, and she literally lives in a penthouse. She lives in the highest yeah. part of these, you know, relatively swanky apartments in downtown. Um, oh, how nice! Yes, you know, she has a cat, <laughs> and you know, that's her life. Um, so she will be here, and then my brother and his fiance are coming for four days. And then my father and his current wife are coming for a few days as well. Wow. It's not really clear yeah. when. I think yeah. they'll probably be coming in early November by the looks yeah. of things. But I'm taking about 
two and a half, <laughs> three weeks off yeah. for all these people coming through. Yeah, yeah. Um, when was it? Of, has it been? I mean, has it been a while since you've had this kind of intense interaction? With yes, I'm family? actually a little bit. I'm. A, I mean, my yeah, I'd my, be a terror. I think <laughs> my father's my father's second wife is, and we've talked about her previously. <laughs> is a genuinely intellectually difficult individual. I mean, she really she can take a lot of energy very quickly. Yeah, yeah. And the idea of her staying with us for an extended period of time, well, I you're going to have to just blow her away. Then, <laughs> then you know, my brother, who I have travelled with previously, <laughs> and his fiance, who we've never met, she spent six months in Afghanistan. So you know, within her own okay, self, so she, she has some interesting she's been stories some to stuff. tell. Yeah, okay. yeah. Although she was on, also, she was on Bagram Air Base the entire time. So you know, she's seen, I guess, the mountains. Well, yeah, you know, yeah. I, listen, yeah. I spent a year in Vietnam. I don't know shit. Yeah, <laughs> you know, it, it always used to crack me up. To hear these veterans talking about the war you know they don't know yeah. shit yeah and then <laughs> you know finally my father and his current wife and my father probably i don't know i mean he and i have not really communicated for a few years now we've talked very briefly on the phone we used to talk on a weekly basis when he lived in the UK and I was based here, primarily because we live relatively close together in the UK and we would see each other. Uh, and I get along very well with his current wife. She's probably the best of his wives he's had, including potentially my own mother. <laughs> I mean, in terms of being <laughs> well, nice and friendly being and a wife, going, yeah, why, yeah, yeah. You know. uh, being wifely. <laughs> yeah. So <laughs> yeah. no, she's yeah, she's very respectful and a remarkable cook and a wife. Well, good, good. good. Get her, put her, to, put her to work. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. We live actually by an area where you can get really good quality, uh, you know, herbs and these kind of things yeah. in terms of uh, cooking. So she might get some enjoyment, actually, of cooking. Yeah, meal here. that'd be great. Uh, it would be. It would be very great. So, yes, this is coming towards me like a, you know, a three-stall train. Well, this is going to be, yeah, it, it could be a disaster. It could mm. be enlightenment. It could be anything in between. It's going to be real interesting to, yeah, to in see what happens. <laughs> in general, in general, I really, and this is curious to me, although I, still reflect on the fact that it is actually true. I am the black sheep of my family. Yeah. It is very strange to interact with people yeah. who have such a strange view of you. I mean, it's one of these... Well, I was, too. Curious you know, things. Yeah. You know. I never... My, well, I mean, I finally just cut off all yeah. communication with all of them because it was just sort of pointless. Yeah. <laughs> no, I mean, I... It, does, in my father's case, I haven't seen him for six years. Well, why is he coming? He's coming because he's going to be going to a conference. And, um. Well, so you guys don't have to see each other just because he's going to a conference and he well, happens to be in the same area. I don't know. I think there's, there's a sense of potentially mutual guilt there as well. <laughs> you know? So I don't know. I think he's genuinely curious about how I've made my life. I mean, this is part of being the black oh, sheep. Oh, that could be that interesting. Yeah. If he, want to, yeah. Yeah, you think he's actually sort of coming to check it out, huh? Yes, I think so. <laughs> oh, cool. That could be great, man. Yes. Knowing that he, that's why he's here, you, you could have a lot of fun with him. Yes, <laughs> I think also, you know, he's lived in Hong Kong for a good part of the past three, well, three years, actually. Not that long at all, really. Uh, but certainly we have some interesting, you know, we have some interesting kind of Chinese centers. And 
you know, a few of my co-workers, it used to be a majority, but now it's just a few of my co-workers are either, uh, well, have either been here anywhere between 10 and 25 years, but are from mainland China. Yeah. Uh, and yeah, there is a strong kind of Chinese community here. My father's current wife is from the Chinese mainland, although she migrated to Australia probably about 15, 20 years ago. So yes, there are these kind of cultural things that no doubt my father will end up gravitating to. He has been, um, he's a bit of a comedian in terms of the way that he changes himself for his various wives. <laughs> well, I think most of us men do precisely that, probably, don't yes, we? <laughs> probably so, yes. I, I, can't, I can't actually disagree with that. <laughs> but yeah, it is a curious I know, thing. that's one of the reasons I don't like myself. Yes. That part of me, because I've, I've observed myself remake yeah. myself. Yeah. Uh, for well, a woman, you know, you and should, that's such bullshit. <laughs> but you should actually embrace this whole notion that yourself is not a thing. You know, it's not a constant. Uh, yeah, all right. Yeah, things. once you realize that, of course, you can you can change it. But then, of course, uh, the likelihood of getting married becomes somewhat limited. <laughs> well, or you can just recognize it as a thing. You know, I mean, it doesn't have to be doesn't have to be discouraged, or it just can be a thing. You know. Yeah. Well, I'm not even sure what we're talking about now. We're talking about how women change us. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Well, but no, they don't change us. We change ourselves to, to fit our imagined, uh, something or others. Uh, they don't, they don't do that. We do yes. it. We do it to ourselves. Well, I don't know. Well, I don't think I do that anymore. I, like I say, I've, I've thought about it. It'd be interesting if I ever end up in another sexual relationship. You know, mm. who knows? But, uh, Boy, it's going to be weird. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. A young Gendoling strides through the, uh, you know, seminar series. Yeah, I don't, I don't know what you would... If it is strange now you note that you change through these kind of uh, relationships because certainly there hasn't necessarily been a consistency over the past however many years through our conversations. But I can imagine that if you were in a relationship, these conversations might change quite dramatically. Um, that would be an interesting experiment that I'm not anxious to try. <laughs> Very good. Very good. Yeah, yeah. So the final topic I have here relates to a notion of creating things. I've been reflecting associated with when, and this first came up actually when I was in my early 20s, and I recorded CDs. When I say I recorded CDs, I both recorded the CDs, I put microphones in front of people, but I also actually created my own CDs. Uh, which I would then send to, in one case, some strange fly-by-night company to press. And as I was leaving Australia, Sony Music, I bought some downtime on their CD presses and actually pressed a CD through that. What I found through this experience was it was very easy to have, to, to offer people a chance to record on a CD, but it was almost impossible to get my stuff on someone else's CD. In fact, there was an incident <laughs> where I was offered to put a track on a CD, and I put the track together. You can find it now, I think, probably... In fact, I can even put the audio out in um, in the Stone Ape recording. Why don't um, you? Yeah. I Why haven't you? Well, I put a few bit of audio in, and I haven't actually gotten any feedback, so if the Stone Ape listenership want to encourage me to put this audio in the Stone Ape recordings, I will be more than happy to put it up there, but it will require audience participation. Anyway, I've been reflecting associated with the work that I've done so far, and how infrequently I've been invited to present this work or talk about this work. 
And I've wondered if there has been something, and I reflect here associated with the kind of broader dialogue that goes through the Sea Realm podcast. I am on the cusp of removing myself entirely from any connection with the Sea Realm podcast. I know we have a number of listeners, you know, Connor and, yeah. and Bob in particular, who are strong aficionados of the Sea yeah. Realm podcast. Well, what's the <laughs> point of, of cutting time? It's just, it's just a group. Just, yeah. Cut the, well, yeah. but, if you're not point, interested in following it, don't follow it. Yeah, that's, I think, the, the point that I'm coming yeah. to. But th- what interests me through this is that there are a group of speakers, of people that publish books, of people that maintain blogs. They're frequently invited to talk on the Sea Realm podcast because they're part of some ongoing conversation associated with the collapse of society or, you know, the, the destruction of... Uh, well, they're, they're you know, do- they've got published works to a large extent on any well, self-published subject. Well, oh, whatever, whatever. Yeah. yeah, I mean, they've got a, a thing they yeah. can point at. He's, oh, he published this book. So, yeah. you know, now, now it's but legitimate, thing, you know. Well, I mean, but I've published plenty of books and I'm not legitimate. I well, guess no, I well, you're not marketing is, it properly. Well, this is what's interesting here because I've reflected <laughs> that my stuff is far harder to get into this kind of format, but your stuff would be very easy. Oh, uh, yeah, I agree. To get into yeah. this format. Yeah, yeah, easy. No shit. Yeah. Yeah. Like, and I, it's it kind of a strange deconstruction. Yeah, it fits right in. Yeah, it just fits yes. right in with the whole thing. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, well, I, I've reflected on whether I need to change what I do, and resoundingly I've come back, no. I don't want to change what I do. These people do their thing. Well, you got to do what you got to do. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> well, the question is, what is it you're trying to do? In terms of noble aim? Well, I mean, it's, well, I mean, in terms of anything, what are your goal? What is it that you're aiming at d- accomplishing? And then, if you know what that is, then how to go about that becomes the next issue to deal. Well, if, if doing <laughs> what I'm doing is what I'm aiming to accomplish, then that's what I'm going to continue to do. I mean, my perspective okay. associated with the project of noble aim is that I'm about halfway through something that I intended would take between 40 and 50 years. <laughs> and okay. All right. So that's enough right there. I yeah. mean, that, this will take you for the next 40 or 50 years. Yeah. Okay. Or 20 yeah. or so. Well, that, years, you know, listen, yeah. that's the way yeah. I look at it. That's why I've spent this year, you know, I realized just recently what this sabbatical is about is about me getting healthy physically. Yes. Because I, I realize that I really don't know what the fuck I'm doing yet. I'm yeah. beginning to get some picture of it, but I, my sense is it's probably going to take me in there 10 or 20 years. Yeah. And at, at my age, I better fucking start taking care of myself. Yes. No, if it's going to take me another 20 that. or yeah. years uh, to, I mean, I really do think I'm actually on to something profound and deep and maybe world changing. Yeah. But, but, you know, it's just not clear yet just exactly how that works, <laughs> you know? Yes. But it feels like it's coming. That's the thing is I got this urge that somehow this is right, you know, and, and actually even if I don't live long enough, if I can get some other people involved in it, then as long as the project goes on, then it wouldn't really make any difference whether it's me or not. Yeah. Yeah, my spiritual advisor posted on my f- Facebook page last night a film associated with Turing that is coming out currently. With what? A film associated with Turing that covers his period of Turing, time as a uh, the mathematician. Okay, yeah, yeah, through the right. Second World War. Yeah. And I looked at this, and I only watched the half of the introduction. It features the actor who was also in the WikiLeaks uh-huh. thing that I've not seen either. And I looked at it and I just thought, I don't want to see this movie. And I mean, I, I know everything I need to know about Turing. I've got every book that I need to own. I don't need to see some current 
well, it made interesting just hot shit actor yeah. trying yeah. to yeah. trying to you know make a kind of romantic film associated with something that I already well, of course, have. Well, of course, you of- don't know that's what they're going to do with it. I mean, that you that you may be right. That's probably a good bet. But I could tell even through the first half of the introduction that I saw that this was in fact. A very curious yeah. approach to a man who was sufficiently <laughs> multifaceted that I don't actually. They're probably going to make a big a deal of his homosexuality, probably. Who right? knows? <laughs> did you hear? Did you hear that Archie, the comic book character Archie, yeah. dies being shot instead of his gay friend? This is the way they kill off Archie. Is he's? I, I, I don't know. I'm not big on Archie. So well, neither am I. I but I'm just. I'm just. I mean, you're saying seriously the Archie comics? That's how yes. they ended him. He yes. was shot because somebody was trying to kill his gay friend. Yes. And he got shot instead. Yes. <laughs> Good for them. That's yes. all right. <laughs> I'm serious. So knowing, that must have upset a few people. Well, I don't know. I don't know who's left to be upset, Aaron. I really don't know who's. Well, left there must to be, be a few out there. There's always a few more. They probably live in Pakistan. Yes. Yeah, they're probably the only last subscribers <laughs> to the Archie comic books. I'm not even going to attempt a Pakistani accent and, and, and you know reverence associated <laughs> no, no, with the death of that and move right ahead. Yeah, <laughs> but so yes, they probably will. But I guess the thing that interests me about Turing is firstly how antisocial he was, but also how really he was the he he in the way that he carried himself, he made himself very difficult to be the hero in a film. And I've actually, I actually look up to that quality and have tried as much as possible to live certain aspects of my life that way. <laughs> to be as unpopular as possible. Well, no, just to not be a particularly good, I mean, the nature of dimensionality, and I would get this critically associated with my writing. You know, people read my writing and say, oh, this lead character has got far too much going on. And I guess that's the way that Turing lived his life, and that's the kind of stuff that I aspire to. Yeah. That, you know, the, in order to be sufficiently multifaceted to be Turing, you're not going to be captured in any way, shape, or form in an hour and 30 minutes. The other thing that oh, they devoted oh. a lot of time to was associated with the bombing and this kind of cinematic, almost stylized bombing <laughs> of London, which I thought was really very perverse. I think increasingly. Yeah. No, but that's a good movie, though. You know, that's a good damn shit blow up, man. You gotta. Well, yeah, you need to see up. history. You need to yeah. see history manipulated sufficiently. <laughs> <laughs> to make you feel good about loving your country. Well, that is very funny. It's funny that you lead into this, Heron, because while I was waiting for my friend and his fiance to turn up, I actually turned on the television. And I realize <laughs> I do this so infrequently now. And I went to the History Channel, and I I have a functionality where if I pause it and go away, I can come back and actually fast-forward through the ads, which was very yeah. thankful. I forgot, actually, that it was... Ad- I haven't watched television sufficiently long amount of time that I forgot there was actually advertising on absolutely every single channel. Well, th- yeah, but... And yeah, there is. I mean, I assume that was the way it was, right? I mean, you're not. It's just a, yeah, I mean, everything. I forget, advertising I how is stupid. I and what how percentage? Stupid. What percentage of the time is that? What is it? Ten percent? Twenty-five percent of the time. Twenty-five percent yeah. at least. So anyway, yeah, I, think- I can't stand it when I watch a YouTube video. You know, and start, and fucking ads showing up now. At least yeah, you it's the same skip. ad over and over and over yeah, and over you know, again. You just think, yeah. oh man, when are we going to kill capitalism? God, well, when are we going to kill this format? I mean, you can have a format of capitalism that doesn't have this nonsense. Well, you 
you know, the idea of stuff just being available because it needs to be available without a way to make a buck on it is anathema to capitalism. Well, what makes it interesting is I work for a company that makes a buck, makes actually quite a pretty buck, but doesn't need any advertising. And these yeah, cable you're companies, right. There are there are there yeah, are special cases. Companies, you're right. If you can figure that out, yeah. <laughs> you, then these you cable do. companies could be doing exactly the same thing. We yeah. pay a substantial amount of money for these cable companies, and they could be getting their little cut and making their programming within that. They yeah. the need for advertising now particularly completely mispitched nonsense advertising is yeah. just obscene. Yeah. It's anyway, just, it's, yeah, it returning to what I off. saw on the television as well as <laughs> yes. the advertising, they had what they were calling Vietnam in HD on the History Channel, mm-hmm. which was the strangest account of Vietnam. I heard a rumour about six, maybe seven years ago that various right-wing political commenters commentators or whatever they call it in this country were talking about how the US actually won Vietnam and won it with humility <laughs> and how all the soldiers got out proudly and how the US was strong through the period of time of Vietnam <laughs> Heron I watched this on the History Channel I have never seen anything more disturbing than this notion that sometime in 1972, the US signed a peace treaty with the North Vietnamese and hang its held, hangled its head high as the GIs proudly marched off into the sunset, heroes now, and the victorious. Roof of the helicopter with the people dangling from the bottom of those skids. Well, according to this, according to this analysis, all US soldier personnel were out of Vietnam for a good three years before that happened and bared no responsibility to that fiasco. That was the South Vietnamese's problem. Uh, not the US. Yeah, that's good. Well, that's, listen, that's the importance of having a good story, you know? I wondered, <laughs> I wondered through this experience how on earth I could reconcile. And what I'm experiencing here is really I've had some sense of like, generation maybe even two generations below me now these are the generations that have not been spanked or disciplined in any fashion they've lived their entire existence as the wonder you know created from their parents they really are very (laughs) curious creatures and they are the folk that are probably well maybe not in your case but probably in my case going to be, you know, pushing my wheelchair off the stairwell in terms of just, if we <laughs> well, eliminate him, we then need it's to get, over. That's the, you know, that's something that people don't get, is that, that the generation under us is the one that's going to be taking care of us in our old age. We ought to be looking out for them. Oh, making them as happy and successful as possible. Yeah. Well, (laughs) what a pity! What a pity your generation didn't do that with me. Oh no, I know we're screwed. Yeah. Yeah. You well and truly. I tell this to my parents periodically that they well and truly (laughs) fucked that up. (laughs) All the stuff you can grab now. So, yes, it struck me that particularly if this next generation, and they clearly aren't the reading generation, if they just watch the History Channel, see this nonsense, and believe that they understand what the Now I understand everything. Yes, of course. It's all about America. (laughs) 
I mean, I literally felt like going up to my bookshelf, ripping out huge sections that deal with Vietnam and burning them. Well, see, because this is why we need to educate the generation of children coming up to, to think. I don't see any, again, you know, railing against what you're talking about. I mean, I agree with you completely, but it's not going to do any, it's not going to change anything. Well, that's why I wanted to burn the books, Heron, because that would actually be a demonstration that this analysis of history no longer exists. It's not that it was ever the case, it's that it no longer exists. There are going to be generation after generation of victorious handheld high in the air. America always <laughs> victorious. America always no, invading. No, their America time is always over. conquering. Their time is over. I know it. You're right. I mean, that's what they're hoping for. But I think that's it's too late for them. That's gone. Well, that's you'd absurd. hope that were the case, but unfortunately, none of us are on the History Channel. Um. Well, like I say, we'll see. My sense is it's 30 to 50 years. Uh, a lot can happen in 30 to 50 years. <laughs> well, yeah, you hope that it would go well. Well, that's my assumption. I'm assuming yeah. that Earth is a healthy planet going through a normal development. The fact that we don't happen to understand all of the details of it. It's been through seven mass extinctions and done quite well through each one. Thank you. Mm. Uh, it's going through another one right now. This is one of the punctuations of punctuated equilibrium. It's perfectly standard developmental procedure for a planet like Earth. Seems to me. At least that's my story. <laughs> I've reflected associated with the carnage, and it's interesting actually watching Vice's coverage associated with the situation that's in the Ukraine. That's great stuff. That's, that's the yeah. best journalism I've seen. The, the most personal. You know, I mean, so much well, of just... Well, it's gone so journalism. I mean, that's the definition yeah, yeah, of it. The, yeah. the well, person who's there awesome. is... Yeah, yeah. Yeah. yeah, it's really amazing stuff. Yeah. And really, I guess... Yeah, so this keep putting it up. I want to thank you for that. Not a problem. It's Not a problem. I hadn't been aware. How did you find that? I've known about Vice for a few years now, and they are really the darlings of new media. I mean, they will make oh, themselves really? available in all circumstances. <laughs> so. Okay. All right. Oh, they're doing a good job, and they, they're the other stuff the look, most of it. Yeah. As, as, as commenters, as YouTube commenters frequently note, their other stuff is people who've just had sex... And a wide variety of other stuff, which is less. <laughs> really? really? I think the best stuff that they put up, I'm going to say this quite frankly, is free on YouTube. The stuff that they put up on HBO, I will watch some, I won't watch all of it. It fits into this very curious kind of, I don't know, I mean, the whole notion of a 15-minute segment and then another 15-minute segment and that's a show. Yeah. Thankfully, they're breaking away from that with YouTube and their coverage of Ukraine, of the Ukrainian conflict has been really fascinating and created a complete counterpoint to everything I see in the Western media. I mean, I oh, yeah, think yeah. The, the thing that strikes me now is so... How can people consume this nonsense? Well, what's good about that is the ambiguity of it. Is that, you know, <laughs> there's no answers. There's nothing. Here's what's happening. Yeah. You fucking figure it out because I can't figure it out. I guess the, thing that, the thing that comes And all the other places, again, yeah. have got their agenda. Oh, it's the yeah. Russians or, oh, yeah. you know, everybody's got their story. Well, most of the story seems to be the fact that Vladimir Putin really wants this section of the Ukraine that he clearly wants to have nothing to do with. The stuff that's been faked associated with the Ukrainian government. Have you heard... I listened early on this week associated with the, the proof from the Ukrainian government that these separatists were responsible for shooting down the plane. 
I found it offensive. I found it humanly <laughs> offensive that these people who were clearly recorded in studios having a conversation that had, you know, mysterious code word names and the fact that these dudes out in the middle of a field <laughs> were speaking with Moscow. I mean, all this stuff is just complete fantasy. Yeah. Yeah. And when you look at what's happening in the Ukrainian government, you've really got to wonder how... You know, how these Western democracies can feel comfortable, you know, shuffling up. Yeah, to when, this when everybody is an asshole. Yeah. <laughs> what the fuck? Yeah. And then you got these poor old ladies in apartments. Exactly. Of course, she's probably an asshole like all the rest of well, them. Well, probably the reason she survived is because she's an asshole. But I think the, <laughs> yeah. thing, the thing that comes through this is. And I'm kind of really... Malaysian Airlines just really irritates me. I've flown Malaysian Airlines previously, and how fucking stupid do you need to be to fly a plane over a war zone where people are blowing planes out of the air? I mean, the nature of criminal competence through this is just extraordinary. And the fact that the media will not tackle this, the fact that tens of thousands of YouTube commenters... And, And everyone else is still flying in and out of there? Well, Singapore Airlines and Malaysian, thankfully, well, no, no, I think everybody else united and everybody else. I no, mean, they all fly. they all don't. No, this is what's interesting. Only ah. a small number of airlines fly over. That ah, area. okay, I got it. Yeah, that makes sense, right? All the reasonable people yes. got the fuck out of there. Yeah, no, because <laughs> Malaysian Airlines has been losing money hand over fist because it's basically a corrupt entity to yeah. start off yeah. with that gets right. bankrolled yeah. by the Malaysians on a periodic basis, yeah. they are, of course, going to be flying over the war zone. And unfortunately, sure. you know, the people that are buying... They Malaysian charge a Airlines premium tickets, for it, probably. Yeah. Yeah. It, it's just extraordinary. I mean, I've never flown over that part of the world, but we do actually have listeners that have both driven through and flown over that part of the world periodically. And, yeah. um, you know, we, we have uh, our listener, Sean, in the UK who has actually stayed and travelled around Crimea and talked quite positively about that associated with this stuff. But, yeah, it's just extraordinary. It's extraordinary 100 years from the First World War that we can all still be drawn into these conflicts by pure, unadulterated nonsense. Well, again, it's identification with the story. You know, I'm yeah. I'm this ethnicity or that nationality or some mm. goddamn thing. Yeah. And, um yeah, yeah. The president's it's, never going to lie to us, Heron. The Secretary <laughs> of State's never going to lie to us, Heron. That's right, that's you know, right. These people are beyond fault. <sighs> well, again, that's why I say that, that you know, vo- all that's the only thing that really counts is the next couple generations of kids, if they can actually yeah. evaluate their situation rationally. Well. Yeah. And, and if we don't, I mean, if they can't, then then I don't see much hope. <laughs> My interaction with them seems to indicate there's a high probability that they can't. Well, you may be right, but I haven't given up. My sense is we still have several decades, and uh, you never know. Yeah. You never know what can happen. You know? yeah. There are plenty of optimistic signs. I mean, there's a lot... It's a lot easier to see symptoms of the old, you know, the caterpillar falling apart. That, that's kind of obvious. It's not so easy to see parts of the butterfly that are taking shape. But if you know where to look, they're there. It's, yes. a, small, it's a small part of what's going on right now. But yeah. I, I've had 
experiences periodically through my life, usually leading into crescendos of these kind of experiences, where I realize that if there is any spirituality that I can ascertain in the world, it comes through pure irony. <laughs> that actually the experiences that I have had are Iron. so tightly related to irony more than anything else. And I do, I understand you like synchronicity. Right. I like the idea. That's a great yeah. idea. I, I mean, a bit like synchronicity, the human mind participates in that. And I do understand that my understanding of the spirituality comes through my own understanding of irony. I need to have that. I'm a participant as much in this understanding of the universe. But I just can't imagine the kind of crazy shit that happens in my life cannot be... Like, it just... And obviously it requires a kind of comedic deity who likes snuff movies occasionally. Well, but, yeah, I think, yeah. you know, yeah, between talking about deities, there are create, there are ours to create. You yes. know, I've got Bob. He yes. works for me. Yes. <laughs> you know, that's good enough. But yeah. Bob's completely and absolutely amoral. Yeah. Bob just does what Bob does, man. There's yeah. no questioning Bob. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. The human form of Bob is probably fucking the cow form of Bob currently, as we say. Well, there's probably no human form. Of, well, I mean, the human form of Bob is you and me. Well, not me. And, and some of our listeners, you know, or all of our so. listeners and all of yeah. their pets and all the yeah. fleas on all of their pets. Yeah. And all of the cells and all of the bodies of the fleas of all of their pets. So yeah. it's all Bob, you know. It's fleas Praise all the Bob. way down. Right. Praise fleas Bob. all the way down. Yes. In that's years, better than Allahu Akbar is praise Bob. You know, do you know the <laughs> thing that strikes me? My, my mother actually speaks Arabic and I've wanted to ask this of an Arabic speaking person. I've always wanted to be, I've always wanted like there to be a God's kind of okay, God's fair to middling. You know, this whole Allah Akbar, God is great thing. Yeah. I'd much rather have a friend. God is like, awesome. Like, Allah, <laughs> he's reading the newspaper and sitting on the toilet currently. Uh, you know, Allah, he's, um, just not really what we want him to be. Allah, he seems to like a lot of us just dying in extremely <laughs> bloody and horrible Allah ways. Allah is a fucking figment of your imagination. Yes. Now, if you could say that in Arabic, it might actually catch on here. Well, it might actually catch on. You know, maybe you never can tell. You know, I mean, yeah. there might be a mass awakening there, you know? That's mm. not impossible. The problem People is might that- just go, realize this is fucking full of shit, man. This is crazy shit, man. Fuck this shit. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Yes. Well, I think the people that realize that are probably on heroin in Iran and these kinds of things. Yeah, but yeah, yeah. Or they're the drug permeation culture in, yeah, yeah, yeah. Or in, uh, <laughs> You know, to have that kind of realization would immediately, you know, lead you well, to you be killed by the state. you have to be careful. Yeah, yeah, you gotta yeah. be careful if you're gonna play that game there, because that's, that's a dangerous game. Yeah. yeah. Well, it's dangerous even here in America, but they, they make it dangerous for financial reasons, but, but they're not gonna come and cut, cut your head off, but, uh. Well, maybe not just you, cut they off come after me checkbook. like that. Yeah. They come after me like that. So, yes. Yeah, I wonder if I actually called this podcast Allah is Fair to Middling if I'd actually get hate mail. <laughs> yeah, I would avoid that subject, actually. <laughs> <laughs> I, 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 you know, there's enough probability of offending people without worrying about. Some- yeah, it's interesting, actually, because I was. When I watch YouTube, there's a video clip associated with a guy making a pizza with a strange drum beat behind it. 
And I described this to my wife and she said she'd never seen that. All the YouTube clips I get have that ad of a guy spinning the pizza with the drum beat. Yeah, and I don't recall it either. <laughs> do you see, that's very funny. I think I've actually broken They're YouTube's. zeroing it in on you, yeah. No, they're... no, exactly. No, the problem is that I don't actually get any singlemuslim.com advertising or any kind of things. In fact, currently currently it's single Asian women that, you know, YouTube is trying to market. Uh, to yeah. You know, I don't even life. know what it is. There's one. Yeah. It seems that I get the same one over over and over again, but I don't even know what it's about. Oh, it's not a guy throwing pizza. <laughs> no, because no. I explained this to my wife, and I showed it to her, and she said, "I've never seen that YouTube ad before." And it's like it's all my YouTube yeah. watching is that. Yeah, ad. yeah, yeah, yeah. I get pretty much the same one every time, and I <laughs> actually don't know what it is. <laughs> yeah. Well, it's good because I was thinking about satirizing this pizza flipping YouTube thing and actually putting it out as a YouTube clip. But now I realized that this was only the YouTube ad that was specially generated for special me. Special for you. Yeah. Well, crazy I ball. wonder how many, how special you are. Yeah. <laughs> you know, maybe you're not that special. Maybe you should put it out there anyway and see if anyone else is the same kind of special as you. Yeah. Yeah, yeah I, so these, next time I'm going to have to pay attention to what that ad is <laughs> so that I'll know what it is. So these strange... I'm, I'm returning to the start of the show here, folks, because I'm ready to wrap up the show. It's becoming a bit of an oven where I'm recording. But I'm just looking at XO Lusty Tiff 4862 and wondering how one could actually utilize these people who are clearly now, as you point out, digital sex workers to, um, yeah, to a positive light associated with these things. I'm wondering if there's some internet meme, but yeah, it's just such a curious. Well, what I've done is I mm -hmm. send them back a smiley face. Interesting. And that's it. And usually they say, fuck you, and leave. Wow. <laughs> you know? Oh, so they proposition you, and then you send them back a smiley face, and they say, fuck you, and leave. Well, I, I you know, that, that's, that's happened twice. Okay. It, mostly, uh, it's just ignored, and I don't hear from them again. Mm -hmm. I mean, it's only happened a couple of times. Yes. And, and I don't really, I'm not really sure whether it's the same one over... There, there may have, I think there are different ones, but there may have been one that was more than once, but I don't, I don't really remember for sure. Very aggressive, yes. We, we live in a sufficiently rough part of town that there are actual street walkers nearby us. Oh, and you should open up your house for them. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know how successful they are. They're surprisingly, it's funny actually, because they are surprisingly like well fed. Like they look, I mean, they don't look <laughs> Yeah, I know a lot of homeless people begging at the freeway off ramps are big fat guys. <laughs> yeah, but these yeah, I guess I guess yeah, if you were in the market for prostitutes, you'd want to know if they had AIDS or not. And the baby maybe within the prostitution community, like overeating in order to prove that you don't have <laughs> you AIDS don't have AIDS is an important <laughs> thing. I don't know. <laughs> and I guess they get exercise and, you know, this kind of stuff. God, it's such a fucked up world. It is a very curious world. Oh, uh, it's fucked up. It's a fucked up world and we need to yes. change it. Man, that's just bullshit. Yes. People shouldn't have to do that. Survival ought to just be there, you know? The issue yes. ought to be, what am I here? You know, here I am. Now what the fuck am I going to do with my life? Yeah. Not how am I going to survive and avoid starving to death behind the supermarket? Well, that's the game <laughs> that's been created, right? I yeah, mean, what, yeah. You know, what the banks and all these other things want is, uh, 
you know, fit, healthy young folk that they can make as much money through. <laughs> That's and then right. The rest That's of right. them can be just discarded refuse. A yeah. film that my spiritual advisor and I have wanted to see was The Purge, which we were able to see oh, yeah. over just, last weekend. This is that one where they have a night for Yeah, they have a night everything. where they kill everyone. What? That or seems they- so absurd that it's hard to imagine that taking that seriously. I don't know. Tell me about it. Well, it's interesting because when we describe the nature of street crime and these kind of things, you are basically having a purge it just makes it more explicit what's interesting through the film is that uh you know the perfectly reasonable suburban folk actually go out on purges as well they're i guess probably responsible for killing all the homeless scum (laughs) it is very interesting i won't spoil it for any anyone who wants to see it but i genuinely well no you can listen just tell them there's a spoiler coming and they can listen to it or not and tell i I don't think there's anything more to say aside from the Uh, fact that i actually would recommend this film i mean it wasn't it wasn't particularly horrific the you know the deaths and the you know the various kinds of mutilation were all relatively good taste oh that's the only point of watching this movie most of it was suspense actually Actually, there's a sequel out uh-huh. that I think my spiritual... Before you get your ad- arm chopped off. Yeah. <laughs> but no, I actually thought it was an interesting kind of multi-level metaphor for, you know, the the way that people feel perfectly comfortable with, you know, these impoverished high crime areas, mm. which I kind of find myself in in some curious way. Yeah, it's... Um, yeah, well, the stuff we've come to accept as normal... <laughs> You know, and live. Hell, I got used to living in Vietnam. Mm. You know, after six months living there, going to a hotel in Japan was weird. <laughs> As you previously narrated, yeah. Yeah, I mean, yeah. you know, you, you, I got fucking used to having people throwing explosives at me. Mm. It's weird. Weird well, that shit. was actually the way people communicated in Vietnam, Heron. I mean, this is what you need to come to appreciate, is that actually throwing <laughs> explosives was the primary way to negotiate. Well, it certainly was one way. Yeah. It was quite effective for me. Yes. <laughs> yes. Well, with this, Heron, unfortunately, I'm going to have to find a way of cooling this room for future recordings, because it is a complete oven, and I feel probably at the point where... You have a fan can... in there? No, I need to... Often... I need... Yeah, the a problem fan is might that do your, it. your fan actually produces a lot of ambient well, noise that I've that. edited you know, out of the recording. Yeah, well, so you can, but... screw, you can edit out your noise, too. I guess so. <laughs> <laughs> you know, listen, it's important that y- you enjoy your time here. Yes. Uh, it, it, it's and, no fun if uh, if you're miserable physically. You know, yes. we can put up with a little sound degradation. It's <laughs> no big deal. Well, with that in mind, I feel I have to sign off this evening, Karen. Uh, okay. A pleasure as always. I'll talk to you soon. Take care. Good night, Tom. <laughs>